We're, we're in the, really it's the third uh, edition, I guess you might say, of, of this series on prayer. And I kind of wanted just to take, a, I want to do this, not, I'll explain why I'm doing it in a moment, but um, the first time we talked about prayer was why pray. We talked about why pray, the reason we pray is because it, it gives us relationship with God. I mean, because one of the questions that I sought to answer was why do we need to pray if God's almighty and all-knowing and He knows everything, so why do I need to pray? And it has to do with the fact that God wants to hear from His children. And we need to hear from Him. So that's why we pray. Last week we talked about um, how we pray, part one. And I talked about, I went to a, a psalm, if you weren't here, it's called an uh, imprecatory psalm, a psalm of cursing. Now, one of David's prayers of cursing an enemy who had, who had made many atrocities, who had committed many atrocities. And it was uh, not, a, not necessarily a proper prayer, because David was crying out from his heart. And, and I want to mention that because we come to the passage that we're going to look at today, and it's real easy to get formulaic. And if there's one thing I want to communicate clearly every time in this, this series on prayer, it is there are no formulas, there's no magic voodoo. And if you, if you, it seems like in my lifetime, every three or four or five years, a new quote-unquote Christian book comes out with, pray this way, and pray this way, and this will happen. And everybody jumps on the bandwagon, and, and the author makes, you know, bazillions of dollars, which really ticks me off. But, but, no, but, but it, it really gets people, well, I prayed this prayer, and it didn't happen. So what's wrong with me? That's usually where we go. So I really want to I really want to center in on that. One of the things about the prayer that I love so much that that we saw in that movie when we were soldiers. A great movie if you haven't seen it. It's uh, um, I'm sure you can rent it uh, or probably buy it cheap. Um, it's it's really the story of the first uh, the first battle of Vietnam, 1965, and uh, taken from a book by uh, Colonel Hal Moore, who Mel Gibson plays. But in that movie, I want to show you. I want to go revisit it just a moment. It wasn't appropriate. I want you to see the honesty with which he prays. And we're going to just, we're just going to let it go a little longer and you'll, it's, it's kind of interesting. So we're going to pick it up right Just watch us just for a minute. Right? Father in heaven, before we go into battle, every soldier among us will approach you each in his own way. Our enemies too, according to their own understanding, will ask for protection and for victory. And so we bow before your infinite wisdom. We offer our prayers as best we can. I pray you watch over the young men like Jack Gagan that I lead into battle. You use me as your instrument in this awful hell of war to watch over them. Especially if there are men like this one beside me deserving of a future in your blessing and goodwill. Amen. Oh, yes, and one more thing, dear Lord. About our enemies, ignore their heathen prayers and help us blow those little bastards straight to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, not what you would really call a prescriptive prayer, right? Um, Listen, whether or not whatever you agree in politics or wars or whatever, um, what God wants from us is honesty. And sometimes that won't sound just really good to the rest of the world. And, uh, and I like the illustration of that because that's how David prayed. And, of course, he was, he was uh, called in the Scripture a man after God's own heart. 
there are no prescriptions. But there are, as Jesus points out for us here, um, a pattern. Here's how, here's how you pray. And too many times we, we pray this prayer in a way that we think, well, I, I prayed the Lord's Prayer and that's great. But I, I want to show you really what I think Jesus meant at least to some degree, with this, with this whole, this whole we call the Lord's Prayer. It's probably better called the Disciples' Prayer. And we're going to pick it up, this passage up in Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 7 because he starts talking, off, talking out about how not to pray. And repeating some of the things that I said last week in this, these first two verses. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. This is a New American Standard Bible. And uh, pretty literal, the word Gentiles, he's not anti-Gentile here. But he's using that term in, in that, at that age and time. Uh, being a Gentile meant something like we would use the word a heathen, godless person. A person doesn't believe in anything. So that's how it's being used here. So don't think he's being... Uh, anti-Gentile here. He's not. Uh, Do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. I've known some ministers like that sometimes. Anyway, verse 8. You know what I mean, don't you? Just go on and on. We used to have have a prayer side point. We used to have a... uh, I don't know what they called it. They called it the pastoral prayer, which is supposed to be symbolic of the pastor praying over his sheep, which is... i got all kinds of issues with that. But... um, we said that, and I used to love that when I was a kid in school, in, in, in a, a little church that we went to, where I was raised in. Because he'd pray, I, I promise you, I don't know this, but it seemed like he was praying for like 15 minutes. And I just checked out, man. You know, you shut your eyes that long, you know? And uh, I used to love those long prayers. Nothing wrong with long prayers, but they don't necessarily make us more effective in our prayers to God. And that's what he's saying here. He said, uh, the, <clears throat> they suppose they'll be heard for their many words, so do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now watch this. Here's how to pray. He says, pray then, this is Jesus, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Keep reading here. For if you forgive others, this is right after the prayer. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. What is that all about? We'll come back to that in a moment. Um... Someone wrote this that I picked up on a commentator. This passage is without a doubt the most often repeated without meaning passage in the Bible. It's the most often repeated without meaning. So many times people just, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And they have no clue what they're praying. If you think, and I want to make this real clear, if you think that just going through the motions on something like this, a prayer, is going to help you, then we need to correct that line of thinking because it doesn't. Again, God's interested in the heart. Let me ask you one thing. Just think about this. Does just going through the motions help us in anything? Think about that. How about if you do that with your wife or your husband? Just going to go through the motions. I promise you, you're going to have some problems. You know, one thing, one thing that I really, one thing in my life, and I really enjoy doing it, is my, my exercise. I take a long walk. I try to do it every day even when it's called five or six miles. And um, 
I love doing it. You know why? It's the only thing I can do in my life mindlessly. Not thinking about it, hating whatever I want. I can think anything I want to that does me any good. You know, it's the only thing in my life I can work out, I can do, and that's the only thing I can do that, that, that with, without my heart being in it that does me good. Anything else, your heart's got to be in it. Whether you're talking about marriage, whether you're talking about raising your children, whether you're talking about um, your work, and so forth, it certainly is true when it comes to prayer. So let's just go back and let's kind of digest this prayer a little bit and kind of tear it apart and try to figure out what the ingredients are. What is it, what is it that the Lord is trying to get at? What's He trying to teach us with this? So we're going to look at five different things. Again, not a formula, but just components of this thing that we call the Lord's Prayer that can help us as we think through it. The first thing is this, that when we pray, we are to have reverence for God in our prayers. We're to have reverence for God. That's where he starts out, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. I pray that we lift up your name. He starts off with, with, with worship words. God, you're a great God. You're a holy God. You're bigger than me. You're bigger than the world. You're the creator of the world. You're phenomenal. You're, a, you're an incredible, holy God. So we start off with reverence for God. To keep aware that, that I have this relationship with my Heavenly Father. And, 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 you know, I say this, probably not enough, but I've said it before. A proper view of God goes a long way in establishing our stability as people. A proper view of God goes a long way in establishing our stability emotionally, spiritually, and every other way. And the first thing he starts off is talking to his Father. This is Jesus, his Heavenly Father. That's, a, that's, that's where we start. You know, I'm a father. You fathers here. We do our best to be a good father. Even when we do our best to be a good father, we make mistakes. Here he's telling us we have a heavenly father who never makes mistakes. That ought to give you some pause for comfort and strength and stability. Um, I need to keep aware that he's holy, that God's holy, and that I'm a, he's, he's almighty God, and I'm accountable to him. Listen to what uh, Solomon says. Solomon, Solomon tried a number of things in the book of Ecclesiastes. He sort of, he sort of lays that down for us in, in that book in the Old Testament. He, he talks about the fact that he tried, to, tried basically drug, sex, and rock and roll. And um, not in those terms, but basically that's, that's the spirit of which he's talking about. Not that there's anything inherently sinful about rock and roll. And I don't know how rock and roll got classified with drugs and sex, but somehow it did. But, but Solomon tries everything. And here's what he says at the end of that book of Ecclesiastes. When all has been heard, have a reverential fear for God and keep His commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. He said in the end, what it comes down to is just have a reverential fear for God because He is your maker and you will answer to Him. So we start off with the Lord's Prayer with Jesus saying, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be you. We have a sense of reverence for God in our prayers. That's the first place we start. Let me show you the second thing. Needs to be, we, 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 we are to desire what I call kingdom righteousness in our prayers. We're to desire kingdom righteousness in our prayers. Look what he says in verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now what does that mean? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's talking about basically staying aware of God's presence on earth and along with 
desiring God's kingdom principles in my life. You say, well, what does that mean? Desiring God's kingdom principles. So he's saying, may God's kingdom come to earth. Okay, what are the, what are the things, what are the qualities that are going to rule in God's kingdom or are ruling currently in God's kingdom? What are they? Fairness, justice, compassion, right actions, right attitudes. And what the prayer is that, that Jesus wants us to pray is, your kingdom come, your, your will be done. Help me to bring some of that into my life and how I live. One of the great things about this movie I've been talking about uh, uh, for, I don't know how long now, a couple months, uh, the Amazing Grace movie with William, the story of William Wilberforce, was this, he was this great politician who lived his faith to the point of over a, almost a 45-year quest, sought to do two things. That was his life, two things. One, to abolish the sla- slave trade in England, which would also abolish it for Europe, which would eventually abolish it in, in America 50 years later, but it would be abolished because of the, of the uh, precedent set by Wilberforce and, and the English Parliament. The other thing was the reformation of what they called manners in that day, which means morals, basically, because the morality was so bad. And many of the things that came out of his life, you'll see this if you see the movie, was he was the first one to start a humane society. Of, of the way he said, you know, people, you know, you go back to Proverbs, actually, it says, a righteous man can be known by how he treats his beast. Um, so so he, started, he started that whole thing. All the, those are kingdom principles you know, that are to be a part of our lives. A sense of fairness and seeing that happen. A sense of justice. A sense of righteousness. Of wanting to do what's right. And Jesus is saying, when you pray, yeah, pray with a sense of reverence, but also pray with a sense that you want, you desire kingdom righteousness here on earth. And that begins with me. Can't do a lot about it anywhere else, but it, let, let it begin with me. That's what Augustine used to always say. Let it begin with me. So that's what he's talking about here. Um, help me do what I can to bring it about. Third thing. So we got reverence. We got kingdom righteousness. Third thing. We're to ask for daily needs in our prayers. That's where he says, give us this day our daily bread. You say, well, are we asking there just for, um, just for food? Yes. But are we asking for other things? The prayer, I believe, is asking for what, 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 is, what does daily bread mean? That, that's basic human needs. So one, of the part of, one part of our prayer needs to be, not only do we do it out of, for reverence for God and, and this kingdom righteousness thing, but there needs to be part of this petitions, asking God for daily needs to be met. For some, probably not in this audience, but for some that will mean food to survive. For some in this audience, that might be emotional needs. That might be spiritual needs. All that is wrapped up together in that. God, give me what I need today to get by. Give me what I need today to be stable. Not asking for next week, not asking for tomorrow, I'm asking for today. So he says, give us this day our daily bread. Now here's the trick on this, okay? This is kind of tricky. Um, you need to ask God to meet your need, but many times, I'll just talk about myself. I can't talk about you, but I think you can relate. Many times, the needs that I pray for, that ever happened to you? Really aren't needs at all? 
I remember one time my son and I had a discussion. He was 17 years old and after he'd had his first car and had run it into two or three snowbanks and whatever. We lived in Colorado. He said, Dad, I really need a new car. And I said, let's talk about that word need, okay? Um, and we, he got a lot more than he wanted usually, which would happen when we'd get into those kinds of discussions. Um, listen, there's nothing wrong with wants, Right? There's nothing wrong with praying for wants. Nothing wrong with that at all. But let's don't mix up needs with wants as best we can. And if you don't know the difference, you know what, pray about it anyway. God knows the difference, and He'll take care of that. He'll sift through all that. And don't be worried about it if you say, well, you know, I've been praying for some wants as a need. Well, try, try your best to separate that as best you can. Uh, but at the same time, just say, yeah, that's why many times I will say, God, your will be done. Well, I don't know. I think I know, but I don't. Some of the things that I thought were needs at one time ended up not being needs at all. So, and that's the great thing. You know, there's no such wrong as praying. I, I mean, you, you, praying the wrong thing. Don't worry about that. Because God wants a relationship with you. David, as we saw last week in the Old Testament, he prayed some things that, that he shouldn't have prayed probably, but it was coming out of his emotion. And God honored not so much the prayer, but the heart from which that was willing just to spill his, spill his heart before God. So, we're to have reverence. We're to ask and the desire for kingdom righteousness. We're to ask for daily needs in our prayers, whatever that might be. Next thing, fourth thing, we're to ask for forgiveness in our prayers. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts. As we, have forgiven our, as we have forgiven our dead oars. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he goes on with another, another word of, really, of reverence and praise. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, let's talk about this thing of forgiveness in our prayers. Um, we are to pray. We should ask God for forgiveness daily. Now, let me expand on that just for a moment. Because this means, yeah, when we pray, whether we're driving down the road or whether we're, you know, in our privacy of our den or closet or wherever you want to pray, I don't, I don't care. Um, church, we need to say on a daily basis, God, please forgive me for my sins. Just sort of a blanket statement. But you know what? Sometimes, now be careful with this, okay? Think about this. We also need sometimes to name those sins. To confess in the original, in the Greek, in the New Testament, means to agree with God. So if I stop and I pray, God, forgive me, I lusted today. And you hear that, you think, boy, that, that was really bad. I lied today, God. I exaggerated to the point of untruth today. Forgive me for that. I gossiped today. I assassinated someone's character today by gossiping about them. Sometimes I need to hear from my own lips the confessions of my own sins because it makes me think, oh, I can't believe I did that. That's part of what confession is to do for us. It's for us to become aware of that. Not just the blanket thing, God, forgive me, but God, I did this. Please forgive me. And He will. But you need to think through some of that. And, and, and deal with that. So we ask God for our forgiveness, for His forgiveness, uh, for, forgive us of our sins. Now, there's a connection here because if you read that verse, verse 12, he says, we forgive us our debts as we also 
hath forgiven our debtors. And then you skip down to verse 14, and I want to show you that. Now you skip down to verse 14. He says, for if you forgive, if you, um, if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. What is that all about? We have got conditional forgiveness? Because that would really give me some problems here to think, well, my forgiveness only comes from God if I forgive others. Is that what he's saying? I don't think so. I believe what he's telling us here is this, and that is that the evidence of your forgiveness is proven by your ability to forgive. In other words, if you're a bitter, angry person who has an inability to forgive others, you need to step back from that situation and say, wait a minute, have I experienced forgiveness myself? Because if I have, if I have experienced forgiveness myself, I'm not going to have, I might for a moment, I might for a day, I might for a week, but in the end, I'm not going to have a problem forgiving others. If I understand all that I have been forgiven. And, and, and that's a process, you understand that. You know, some people say, well, you forgive me. Oh, yeah, I forgive you. Boom, it's gone. Yeah, that doesn't work that way. Forgiveness is a process. And sometimes when I'm having a hard time forgiving someone for something, and I step back away from that, and then I start thinking, now, wait a minute. Let's think about what I've done. And the statement that I often use is, you could never sin against me as much as I've sinned against God. So somewhere at the end of the day, and again, it may take a day, it may take a week, it may take a month, it may take more than that to forgive someone, but then that's we have to, God help me and give me the ability to forgive because you have forgiven me. It's not an instantaneous thing usually, depending on the intensity or the, the amount of, of what someone has done to you. But we're to ask forgiveness in our prayers, and as we do, we are to ask God to give us the ability to forgive, and He will. And that's what he's tell, talking about in those verses. So there's forgiveness. So here we go. What we got? We got reverence for God. We got kingdom righteousness we're to ask for. Daily needs we're to ask for. Forgiveness we're to ask for. The last thing is very simple, and that is this, that we are to ask God for strength to avoid temptation. We're to ask God for the ability to avoid temptation. All right? We're to ask God for protection. All right? We're to ask God for protection. And, you know, that's where he says that in verse 13 there. He says, uh, he goes in verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom. So forth and so forth. You know, and, and the issue is this. We need to think about this, that one of our prayers needs to be, God, not only do I need you to forgive me, but help me not to get into the place where I'm going to be tempted to do the stuff that I'm going to have to ask forgiveness for. Help me to avoid temptation. I've used the illustration before, and I think it's a good one, of, of, of a friend of mine who travels a lot and is always you know, in hotels you know, five, six nights a week. And the first thing he does when he gets to the hotel, kind of, some of you aren't going to understand this, but that's okay. First thing he does, checks in and says, I need all the, uh, whatever they are, the X-rated movies and so forth. I need all that blocked right now. And he's a very mature believer, a person who's walked with a relationship with Christ for a long time. You say, well, why would he do that? He said, I don't want to be tempted. I just, I just, I just don't want to go. I just don't want to be tempted. That's maturity, you see. The immaturity says, I can handle that. I don't care. I can need that. No, 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 no. Everybody has weak spots. Now, what, maybe yours is a different deal. 
Maybe, you know, you're the guy who, or the lady who doesn't need to walk into a bar because of the temptation of, of, of too much alcohol or, or something else. I don't know what your deal happens to be. Maybe there's certain circles of people you don't need to be around because whenever you get around them, you have a tendency to gossip. Which, by the way, is right up there with all the other big sins. I don't know if you know that or not, but it is. Um, big sin, so to speak. Um, the, 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 the bad stuff. Maybe you don't need to be around that person, or maybe you need to get, stay away until you can kind of build up some strength to be able to say, you know what, I don't, want to, I don't want to talk about that. Talk about people and so forth. But we're to ask God for, for protection from temptation. And that's what he's telling us in that verse. Don't lead us into temptation. Deliver us. Or help me not even to go there. Because I'm a weak person, and more than likely, if I go there, I'm probably going to just step over the edge and be right in the middle of that particular sin. So we ask God for protection of those things as well. Well, um, got this in a commentary. It's an interesting statement. The kingdom servant who matures and grows in purity and obedience should rely less and less on the prayer for forgiveness and more and more on the prayer for protection. So we need to ask God to protect us and give me the strength to be protected from those things that are going to be a snare to me and just suck me in. Whatever that might be. And you can make that application in your own life. It could be a lot of different things. So there we go. Five things. We talk about this pattern. Not a formula, but just some things that ought to characterize generally your prayers and your prayer life. A reverence for God. A desire for kingdom righteousness in your life. Daily needs to be met. Forgiveness and protection. Five things that are involved in the Lord's Prayer. Now I want to just do this. I'm just going to, I'm going to read you. It's a different version of the Lord's Prayer. But I want to read it one more time, and then we're going to, we're going to have, a, have it sung for you because of, the, of the, the pattern and of the qualities and of the characteristics that are in this prayer that the Lord Himself gives us as here's how we are to pray. And this has come from the New Living Translation. Verse 7, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them because your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask them. Pray like this. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us our food for today and forgive us our sins just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So may that be our prayer and the characteristics of that be our, a part of our prayer as we move on from here. Listen to it one more time in a different way that I think will be especially meaningful as well as uh, powerful. <laughs> 